Howdy, y'all, and welcome to The Great State of Innovation, the podcast of Texas Innovators with me, your host, Cole Carpenter, and I will be joined by my co-host, Judge Gwynn, where we will cover innovation happening in the ninth largest economy in the world, the great state of Texas. As a disclaimer, the first part of this episode was recorded before Thanksgiving. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to another episode of The Great State of Innovation with me, your host, Cole Carpenter, and I'm joined by my co-host, Judge Gwynn, as always. What is up, Judge? How are we doing today? Doing great, Cole. You know, busy week, Thanksgiving coming up. It was natural. It was National Entrepreneur's Day yesterday, so we've had a busy week here at TXI. But enough on me. I know you've had a busy, you know, eight days or so. Cole last week was able to uh, be a part of a panel at the Global Entrepreneurship Week in Fort Worth. He did a panel with Joseph Horn of Ecoplex. And so Cole, I figured our listeners would want to hear a little bit about that experience and, you know, just your take on, you know, what you and Joseph talked about and uh, what you hope to accomplish from that. (laughs) Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, Yeah, it was a great experience being able to uh, provide a platform and talk about. So first and foremost, I guess, (laughs) The topic of the the panel was hemp, industrial hemp, and the title was hemp, a sustainable tool for Main Street and global corporations. And we really just talked about the many 50,000 plus uses of hemp and provided kind of an introduction to hemp and utilizing it and leveraging it uh, in your ventures. So, um, but all in all, yeah, it was just great experience to be a part of Global Entrepreneurship Week in Fort Worth, which actually happens to be the largest Global Entrepreneurship Week in the world, funny enough, which is which is great. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a good time, you know, just being able to have that platform and talk about hemp, you know, something that I've been very passionate about for, for quite a while now. And I've done some work in the space. And um, but all in all, yeah, it was just about the 50,000 plus uses of hemp and providing a general overview and know what this plant miraculous plant has to offer and um you know we talk about anything and everything from just general legal definitions of you know hemp versus cannabis and or marijuana uh, which is the legislative term i guess and then um kind of went into cbd just talking about that you know it's been such a craze over the past you know past four years or so and um and then furthermore, just how you can leverage hemp on the, the fiber side of things, anything from hempcrete to bioplastics and biocomposites. And we talk about just how anyone and everyone can utilize this that miraculous plant to uh, create benefit. And I guess another thing that we really focused on was talking about carbon sequestration and how hemp is such a powerful tool for, for that. And that's you know, that's been all the buzz with the... Um, emergence and all the talk around ESG, equity, social and governance um, goals of, of corporations. And um, furthermore, I mean, I think Main Street's kind of tapping into that too, being more conscious and the amount of carbon they're putting in the atmosphere and you know, kind of get people's heads wrapped around and get them excited and interested in, in hemp and, and its potential. So all in all, it was a great, great experience and just happy to have been given the privilege to talk about hemp and talk about what that future may look like and you know it's such a a new market and not many people really know much about it or how intertwined the history of hemp is with the history of the united states and um yeah it was just a great great time well cool i'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit before we get off the topic you like 
I don't think many people that, that read the site or that listen to this podcast knew that you were tech, uh, just about a hemp expert. So you said there's 50,000 uses for hemp. In your opinion, what is the greatest use for hemp that would not be the most known one, if that makes any sense? Yeah. So right now, all the talks are about CBD and cannabinoids and the endocannabinoid system, which is a natural system receptors we have in our bodies uh, that cannabinoids tap into and activate receptors. Um, but I think the most underutilized and the, the side that has the most potential is the fiber and grain side, mainly the fiber side, because there's so many profit lines and uh, such a great opportunity for farmers to kind of diversify their crops as well as, you know, even just planting hemp in of itself is you know good for the, good for the earth as a rotation crop. And yeah, I think the fiber side is very, very interesting, whether that's textiles or uh, even just energy production, which is something that we always you know talk about as far as this uh, new renewable energy transition. And uh, as we kind of fight it back against fossil fuels and um, but yeah, I, th- I think fiber, the fiber side and more to that, just building with hemp, even, you know, hempcrete and utilizing that in homes, like fun fact, it only takes, I believe an acre to grown up hemp to build a 1300 square foot house, um, which is pretty impressive. I mean, the, the reason that is impressive and very exciting and cool is because hemp only takes four to six months to grow. It's a very quick growth cycle. And I um, mean, if you compare that to trees, which take years to mature, um, it's just all in all very, very exciting kind of avenue for people to go down. And furthermore, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, the carbon sequestration aspect. I mean, I know a lot of companies are actually looking into hemp to uh, leverage that. And it's very exciting. And um, hemp is just a cool plant. And the more and more research needs to be done into the fiber side. And as we develop the supply chain, um, there's, there's just a massive market opportunity. And of course, there's going to be a lot of tuition paid along the way. And a lot of people are going to you know, fall on some hard times as they learn and get more experience. But yeah, all in all, I think the, the fiber side is very, very interesting because it has a, the potential to touch every part of our daily lives. And interesting enough that you, we talked about, we touched a little bit about on energy and uh, you just mentioned Cole that, you know, there are, there are potentially some tough times ahead for us all. Uh, one tough time that comes to my mind outside of the ongoing pandemic uh, is the freeze we had in February here in Texas. And obviously, you know, February was not that long ago. Um, January, 2022 is about a month and a half up the road. So uh, I just want to, you know, kind of pick your right a little bit. You know, obviously, ERCOT, uh, they got uh, they got a lot of scrutiny for the way the Texas energy grid was handled, you know, rightfully so during February. And, and you know, I, we had some issues with blackouts over the summer as well. Uh, so, Cole, you know, what do you see? Is there anything that's happening now in the Texas energy market that, you know, can maybe eliminate or alleviate some of those concerns that I think many Texans rightfully have as we approach winter 2022? Yeah, for sure. Actually, we just... I uh, had a post today, I just wrote, wrote this piece on Tesla, Tesla Energy Ventures entering the energy market. So they uh, they just received a notice of approval from the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to become an energy retailer. So Tesla is, yeah, they're taking a stake in the energy market. And I think that's really exciting because of the amount of investment and research and development that Tesla has put into their solar roof tiles, their power walls, and just EV charging and things of that nature. So, um, you know, Tesla getting into the energy and utility markets, 
I think is is huge and it's very exciting. Has a lot of promise because uh, with ERCOT um, being the way it is and being in a, an open and free market, people have the ability to choose who they want to utilize as their energy provider. Uh, if you're outside of you know a place such as Austin, which is a municipality or municipal run uh, energy grid, but people in Dallas, Fort Worth, and Houston, they now have the option to get their energy supplied by Tesla. And I think what's really cool about that is, you know, if a house, let's say they're, for example, in Southeast Austin, I believe there's this new neighborhood that was developed and they Tesla partnered with the builders and the, uh, the funders of, of the, of the community to actually implement solar roof tiles, which are many solar panels that take the place of the roof tiles on your house and implement power walls, which are the Tesla's energy battery storage, and also the EV charging. So all of that, so all of their that system that's being built out for that community actually enables the community to power itself. And so they won't need any outside energy. More to that, any excess energy produced by the houses or those homes, those residents can sell back that excess energy to the grid to be uh, compensated. So it just makes sense to leverage Tesla's place in the market and and enable themselves to provide energy and to supplement the grid as we saw that how strained it was during the winter storm of this past year in February. And I think a lot of people that that left a a bad memory, a bad taste, had a deep impact on, on people throughout the state. So when it comes to diversification of energy providers that's always a good thing because uh, as you have more competition in the market there's always the potential and um, most likely will bring prices down as you know all these utility providers are competing to attract new customers and to provide value for their consumers so all in all i think tesla getting into the energy game is great because having an innovator like elon musk taking or getting skin in the game you know he's not gonna stay by the wayside he's going to be full charge ahead and trying to solve these problems like every other problem he's trying to solve so uh, all in all i think it's really really exciting for for tesla to be entering the energy market uh, you touched on it a little bit just curious so let's say like the average texan in Bryan, texas could they could they call and, and ask to switch their energy provider to tesla energy or you said it's more in those those larger urban areas or uh what is it I know you said it's obviously the benefits of having another, you know, another, another brand on Texas Energy Grid is great for all. But what for the average Texan, uh, what is what does this mean? Yeah. So as long as I mean, um, anyone that's served by ERCOT on the grid uh, that's outside of a, a municipality that such as Austin or uh, there's actually a lot of local communities that have co-ops uh, for their energy production or their utilities. So if you're outside of, a, if your city or town or wherever you are is served by ERCOT and does not have a co-op or municipally run utility provider, then you will, will have access to selecting uh, energy from Tesla as, as your provider. Yeah. I mean, cause I feel, um, and if you haven't read Cole's post, go check it out on TXinnovators.com. It went live this morning. I think about, I honestly, in a lot of the instances, I think about my mother. What question would my mother ask me about this? So I feel like, you know, you hear the word Tesla, you you see the, you know, you see the name Elon Musk and you see that they're getting onto the Texas energy grid. I, my third, my first thought as well, that doesn't apply to me. Uh, so I, I just think it was important to kind of touch on and let 
you know, Texans and other areas know who's ever listening to this podcast and kind of what they can expect with this new changes um, as we, you know, will undoubtedly approach more situations like the freeze in February and deal with blackouts and everything. So, you know, it's important, as Cole said, to have an innovator like Elon Musk come in here. And like he said, he's not going to sit by the wayside. He's going to fully believe he's going to plunge head on into any issue that the Texas energy grid faces from here on. So it's just a, another testimony to the growth and direction of Texas. Definitely. Yeah. And what I think is really exciting about it is, I mean, I, Tesla is one of the most innovative companies in the game and association with SpaceX. And I just think all the technical capabilities of Tesla and bringing that to the energy market provides, I, I think it will provide con- consumers peace of mind if they are u- utilizing Tesla because they have so many great systems that are, are, are developed and are being developed. And I mean, though we are early stages and haven't actually witnessed people utilizing Tesla's energy production or their utilities provided by them, I, I definitely think there's a lot of potential for, for people to kind of be satisfied and to be excited about that. And I know people who already use Elon's products, such as Tesla, a Tesla or what have you, um, I think they'll be really excited about that to be able to also have a, another kind of, I guess, revenue stream of you know, money coming in and all of it being from sustainably produced energy. You know, it's all solar and all that energy is already there. It's already coming in through the sun. So I think it's just, that's what's really exciting about it. For sure. And just to clarify to any Texan out there, anyone listening to this podcast, um, if you receive energy services from Tesla, it will not come with a free Tesla itself. So I just wanted to throw that disclaimer out there before they get on us. Unfortunately not. Yeah, that that is very true. <laughs> yeah, I think it's... I think it's really exciting. And Tesla is a very innovative company. And if you ever have the chance to use their products, it's truly a, a wonder and very uh, future looking and forward uh, facing. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, all in all, we've, we've touched on some technology and energy and you know, talked about a hemp a little bit, which uh, that is, I'll, I'll get a link available for everybody to, to view that. Um, but we've touched on a lot of technology and energy. Judge, what are other innovators in other sectors of Texas doing? Like what's, what's going on? What else are we are we covering? What else are we talking about? Yeah. So interestingly enough, Cole, we, uh, we, we launched a video last Friday, um, a innovator spotlight over um, someone in an industry that typically does not get a lot of rec- recognition for innovation, um, which is law, uh, practicing law. Um, we did a, uh, series over two law firms uh, in San Antonio, and uh, the first part came out over one of the attorneys we covered, uh, Desi Martinez. He is the founder of Martinez and Associates PLLC in San Antonio, Texas. So yeah, we released uh, it was a little four or five minute video just kind of explaining who Desi is, a little bit about his practice, and ultimately his journey to where he is today. This is a really exciting video for us to do because Desi is, he's a colorful guy. He's uh, on his website. I think it says he has an engaging and authentic personality and it shines through um, even if you just talk to him on the phone. So uh, I'm gonna provide a little more information about Desi that uh, may, you know maybe we didn't have a chance to highlight in the, the blog post or the video, but Desi's a really, he's a unique character. Uh, and I say that in a respectful and endearing way because uh, I, I, I got to chat with him for over an hour uh, doing one of his pre-interviews and um, the, the thing that kept ringing, because uh, Desi did make a run at the Texas House of Representatives uh, and did not, uh, he was not elected. Um, he lost the runoff, I think he said by like 100 votes or something. But um, he, so he's, you know, he's a personal injury lawyer in San Antonio. 
Uh, he tried to get into politics and uh, it, it didn't work the first time around, but uh, he says he he does not foresee that being the end of his political career. When I talked to Desi, the two things that kept ringing my head were accountability. He, a large part of his approach, the reason he ran for office was honestly be, had a lot to do with how you know our local governments have handled COVID and things like the freeze. And he mentioned seeing how basic processes like mail during COVID, he couldn't even get bills or paychecks, I think he mentioned, delivered to his his attorney's houses. And it was something uh, as, as trivial as that, as small as that, to essentially make him do something about it. You know, we always see, you know, well, one day I'll do something about that. Uh, uh, to Desi, that was his last straw, seeing some of the incompetence uh, in the local governments. And so his mission wasn't even to necessarily win office and hold office. It was to hold them accountable. And he said something to me. He said, he said, you know, I may not win this race, but I'm going to make damn sure that whoever runs against me is going to have to bring their A game. And uh, he did that. Desi, you know, he is an army brat. He talks about that in a video. He lived all around. Uh, he studied at Oxford for a little bit. So he's a very cultured guy, very educated man. A lot of his brand is he represents the folks. It's like he likes to call them. So he's always looking out for the little guy. Obviously, being a personal injury attorney, you have to, well, on some level, if you're going to be good at it like he is, you're going to have to ha- have a little empathy for your fellow man. It was, I, I think Desi's story is really cool. His innovations in law are that his firm, they, they seek to find the truth first. He Describe numerous scenarios where they just had to go back and look at the details again for some of his clients. In various cases, he mentioned a few criminal cases as well. But uh, he said just doing that due diligence uh, to to find the truth and the, the true facts of the situation, which are not always there. Um, if anyone who's been through the legal processes certainly knows that. He just described a number of instances for that. And I, it paid off because Desi and his firm was voted the number one law firm in all of San Antonio in 2021 by the San Antonio Express News. And he talks a lot about what that meant because he, he reflects on 16 years ago, uh, you know, uh, moving to Texas, not having much roots in Texas, and his his suegra, his his father-in-law, gave him the loan to start his to start his firm because he knew how successful Desi was going to be, and he said there was nothing like being your own boss. Desi opened up his firm in 2005 on the south side of San Antonio, despite everyone telling him, "Why would you open a firm on that side of town? You know, it'll never be successful." Uh, and then one thing Desi said was in the video is he he sees a lot of people that they're proud that they left their communities and they got out of that community. They're here now. They're doing this. Part of his mission was to make people proud of where they're from. You know, he he's proud to operate on the south side of San Antonio and and serve the people, serve some of the underserved populations of the city. Uh, I mean, it's the nation's seventh largest city. Being on the south side, you know, he obviously they they see and interact with a lot of people whose stories you would not see on the front page of a newspaper. So. Obviously, from having a firm that he was told not to open to, you know, 16 years later being the top firm in, in San Antonio is, is uh, I think that speaks to who he is as a person and his approach and uh, that it's authentic. Yeah, so to speak more on the innovations that Desi, you know, has has brought to the personal injury space of law. He was named, he's recently named to the American Board of Trial Advocates. That's an honor that less than 1% of trial attorneys in the country receive. Talking to him and uh, the other subject of the video, Nico LaHood, who we'll touch on in another episode once his part gets closer to releasing, I did not know how big of a distinction it was for attorneys to be trial attorneys. And Nico and Desi had different definitions of of a trial. Uh, and Desi, Desi remarked at the beginning of our conversation that uh, personal injury lawyers go to trial more than anyone else. And uh, Nico, when I talked to him initially, he goes, yeah, well, criminal attorneys, they go, we go to trial more than anyone else does. And so I just thought that was an interesting comparison. Um, but 
obviously, um, you know, Desi's approach and the manner in which he goes about uh, representing his clients obviously pays off. Uh, you know, like we he'll we'll hammer it to death, but he wasn't, you know, his firm wasn't supposed to be here. 16 years later, it's the top firm in the seventh largest city in the world. And he is on a board that less than 1% of licensed attorneys get named to. So um, if you want to learn more about Desi, he's a really cool guy. Uh, you can check out uh, his video on our site. Like I said, it's the feature post right now. You just go to txinnovators.com and you'll see who is Desi Martinez right there. Uh, go ahead and check that out. Like, subscribe, let us know what you think. Uh, and if you have a submission for an innovator that you would like to be included in the spotlight, please reach out to me at judge, J-U-D-G-E, at txinnovators.com. Or you can reach out to contact, C-O-N-T-A-C-T, at txinnovators.com. Um, looking at Desi a little bit, obviously, you know, he's a big name. Don't think that's the last time, as I mentioned, we'll see his name in the political world here in Texas. Uh, but kind of backtrack to someone who is not as established yet. Um, that is the a 17-year-old CEO from Houston. If you've looked at our site this week, uh, we had a story that dropped over Audrey. Audrey is a 17-year-old senior at the Village School in Houston, Texas. She has developed an app to correctly identify skin conditions. And uh, it's funny, I, I, I came across Audrey. We did a story over Diligent Robotics, who's a, you know, our, our in a beers in the robotics space out of Austin. So go check them out on our site, uh, Diligent Robotics, if you haven't seen that story. But I got to develop an experience with their public relations representative. And she came to me a few weeks ago with the story of Audrey. And uh, as soon as I saw it, I brought it to the team. And I think when we were all <laughs> from the first email, I was like, oh, yeah, we need to do something about this girl. She, you know, she's this is an innovator. She is you know, exactly what our brand is looking to highlight. So I got to meet Audrey last week and uh, with her and her PR rep, and we got to talk just a little bit about her app, the Love My Skin app. You can go download it on the Google Play Store, the App Store now, or you can go check out their website, lovemyskin.app.com. And I just, you know, she's 17. I mean, I think back to when I was 17, I was not doing anything uh, to consider myself an innovator or entrepreneur. Uh, I didn't even... I wasn't even thinking about college, uh, stupidly enough, but um, to see and talk to someone who is just very well-spoken as well uh, for a 17-year-old, she speaks much better than I do, uh, the, the ums and the likes and everything. She's very well-spoken and she's very intelligent. She knows what she wants to do and what she wants to accomplish. So Audrey's really cool. If you haven't seen that story on our site, go check it out, titled 17-Year-Old CEO Develops App to Identify Skin Conditions, and she also petitions the UN. Audrey saw that, hey, I have this technology. I've I've partnered with brands. I, you know, I I have a direction, I have an identity for my brand. But to her, the next step was it's not just enough to create this app and have social channels and create conversation. I have to go out and do something. And so Audrey's in the petition uh, in the process of petitioning the UN to create a skin positivity day. And a little background on that, Audrey is a Nigerian American. So growing up in Texas, uh, she was born and raised in Cyprus, but growing up in Texas, obviously she she ran into issues with, you know, the differences in her skin as opposed to her peers. And so Audrey, you know, uh her petitioning the UN for a skin positivity today is very, very dear to her heart. And it's uh, evident how important it is when talking to her. But so she did that. And she also went to Nigeria early in the summer. Uh, she she said it was an okra relemla. I, I 
definitely just botch that. Um, but it, it was a uh, in a, a few villages in Nigeria uh, where she got to hold skin education workshops and work with adolescents, teenagers, and you know educate them on skin positivity and you know signs to look for, how to take care of your skin. Uh, and obviously in Nigeria, they're facing technology gaps and they're facing different climate conditions. So she you know talks about how letting them know how to take care of their skin and, you know, what they need to do living, uh, living in Nigeria and, and stuff like that. So she's, she's 17. Uh, she's currently applying to colleges, applying to Ivy league schools. Uh, and she is, has launched the love my skin app. Uh, as I said, it's already available on the Google play store and the app store. Uh, and she's being proactive. She's, she has plans to hold a, another skin education workshop, uh, in Houston, uh, during the week of Thanksgiving or the week after. So in the, the next week or so, she's, I mean, she's, she's what I wish I was at 17. She's, she has a plan. She understands her brand and she has a purpose and she understands that it's not uh, an overnight thing. And it's something that she's going to have to consistently work towards if she wants to meet her goals of creating a skin positive community for everyone around the globe. Um, and just bef- before we get into here, some of Audrey's input, talk a little bit about more what the app does. So you can download the Love My Skin app, and essentially, you can take a photo of, of your skin or maybe an area where you are you have some questions about, and you can upload it straight to the device. Yeah, so her app, it correctly identifies and diagnoses a range of skin conditions, uh, and it, it's able to do that through artificial intelligence, which in today's world is, depending on which side of the spectrum you're on, is a polarizing topic for better or for worse. Um, but Cole, you know, Obviously, you're familiar with the app as well. Talk a little bit more about the AI side and kind of how those technologies help develop softwares and applications like this one. To, to start, I think her platform is, her app is very, very cool because not only is it a community-based platform where people can come together and talk about their skin and their conditions and skin insecurities, but yeah, it, it leverages artificial intelligence to diagnose what your your, your skin is experiencing or, or what kind of, you know, just essentially, yeah, give you the diagnosis of the skin. And I th- So I want to backtrack what I just said. I was incorrect in saying the app provides a diagnosis. The app provides suggestions and useful information for what your skin may be experiencing. I think what's awesome about it is that it's it's very science-based. It's not just about your skin and the way you look and, and all this. It's actually about health and wellness for your, for your body. And, and to my understanding, it's based on psychodermatology, which is kind of a low-key field. Not many people are, are in, in the space, so that's what makes this app so innovative. But leveraging artificial intelligence and connecting it with dermatologists on the back end who are constantly communicating with the platform and as the artificial intelligence, that code kind of learns and builds upon itself, it would only become better, which which is a great and cool thing about artificial intelligence. And I think it's I think it's just so so cool and so such an untapped market and that we have a seventeen year old who had a personal experience in her own life that motivated her and inspired her to become an entrepreneur and an innovator and create this app. And the work that she's doing is, is very awesome. I know I noticed in, yeah, in the article, she's saying one of the biggest things that I do see is, is that social media is really causing body dysmorphia to be more and more prevalent, which I, that's something that I think we're all kind of seeing with you know, teenage girls or there's eating disorders that are at an all time high and your know, body image there's just so much negativity out there. I think it's such an issue that's facing our young 
our younger generations or our teenagers. I mean, that's the generation right before us. I mean, we're not that old, but um, <laughs> I I just think it's it's it is becoming a problem as you know people are think about social media as people. It's a highlight reel. They only put their best selves forward, and a lot of that is I mean fake in the sense that it's being photoshopped and altered, and so people are are having these you know, are more insecure than ever about their bodies. So I think Audrey is solving a real problem that's impacting people's daily lives and to provide a platform and a community for people to come together and explore these, their skin and get suggestions and to have, the, have peers to talk to and to have an actually science-based platform to get a diagnosis and to interact with dermatologists through leveraging an innovative technology such as artificial intelligence. I think it's just so cool and i'm you know i'm very excited to to talk with her and to uh dive into what that looks like and also talk about her experience you know traveling around the world and highlighting and bringing attention to this issue because a lot of people don't really stop and think about it because they're so caught up in their daily lives and then they get say you know down on themselves because they're, they're not as perfect as that person on instagram or tiktok or any other social media platform i mean it's all honestly it's just kind of it's all fake and people aren't putting their authentic selves out there so i think this is a platform where authenticity will thrive and where people will get a holistic and wholesome community to to be a part of yeah Yeah, and that's exactly what she's striving for cool i think you hit it on the head and just before because y'all will get to hear from audrey here shortly but uh, I just want to touch a little bit more on like the social media aspect. Yeah, obviously. Uh, I mean, we grew up with social media. I remember Facebook when I was in elementary school. Uh, I remember making my first Facebook page and MySpace page. And um, so, I mean, and we grew up with it too, right? And I, I see myself, you know, looking on Instagram at, at some point and being like, wow, why are, how, is, how are they doing that at this point in their life? And it's even though I know I see them like, well, that's that's fake, you know, unless I know this person, I've seen them do it with my eyes that's fake. Um, but for kids growing up when they literally, uh, have had a, a smartphone or an iPad since they could speak. Um, I mean, like, how is that not going to affect them? I mean, there's more studies than, than me and Cole rambling on this, but, uh, one part I want to touch about the part that really separates Audrey from any, you know, competition or anything like that is she's honing in on the psychodermatology aspect. Psychodermatology, uh, like what Cole was saying is not a very researched field. It has been researched at in the US at institutions such as Harvard and other Ivy League schools, but it is not a common practice in the United States. And an article I cited that there are only 10 practicing psychodermatologists uh, in the United States. So a lot of Audrey's approach is honing in on that psychodermatology aspect. So what that is, is it's not always just about giving medicine to a person for their skin condition, even if you, it's pretty clear, clear and cut what it is. Obviously factors that affect you such as stress, uh, even, even spiritual factors that affect you, which is what psychodermatology encompasses. And I think what we've learned in 2020 and in 2021 is that, you know, those outside factors affect our bodies and our health a lot more than we realize at points. So uh, I'll, I'll let her explain that a little more about the psychodermatology aspect, but I think that's really the innovative piece there for Audrey is her honing in on that. Even like we said, identifying, you know, that niche uh, as a 17 year old. Um, I mean, that's just, that's pretty incredible to me. And I think y'all will really enjoy hearing more of Audrey and her story. Yes. Very exciting to to have her on here and to have y'all listen. And I mean, I'm excited to to learn from her and to kind of dive more into this as it is definitely you know, a low-key, you know, underappreciated aspect of, of our lives. I mean, our skin 
is the largest organ on our body. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to hear what she has to say and to dive into into her journey and her experience as a, an innovator in Texas. I mean, hey, man, if this is the next generation of innovators and entrepreneurs, then I'd say we're in good hands. I agree, man. Well, cool. Stay tuned and keep listening to hear what Audrey has to say about her Love My Skin app. And before that, you can go download the Love My Skin app on the Google Play and the App Store. So in the first part of the episode, we talked about a lot of things. To start off, I talked a little bit about my experience at the Fort Worth Global Entrepreneurship Week, discussing my panel on hemp. Judge and I talked about Tesla entering the Texas energy market. And Judge provided an overview of our video featuring Desi Martinez and his law firm in San Antonio. We also provide a little background and kind of introducing Audrey and her Love My Skin app. But now we will turn to our interview with her. And so you can hear straight from her about her experience as a young entrepreneur in Texas and what it took and the process of developing the Love My Skin app. So we already introed the uh, we introduced your interview a little bit, Audrey, already kind of talked a little bit about it. I think we did it right after uh, our article. So got to provide what Love My Skin is a little bit of your story. but. Now we really want to focus on you as the innovator for the podcast. So that was that's really the goal of this. And um, let's just kind of open it up. Why don't you start telling us? You know, talk about you, your journey. Uh, let's talk about love my skin. Let's talk about like you know when you first got found the first motivations for it, and really you know what made you take action to go ahead and create it. So I started love my skin mainly because I grew up with some skin conditions the biggest one of which was eczema. And so just being able to find treatment options was sometimes difficult. And also just being able to find a place where I could see that others were also struggling with the same uh, disease was something that wasn't really available to me. And so I wanted to create a platform where others could also not only gain treatment, but also um, come together in sort of a community and find um, resources, and then also um, have access to testimonials, have access to journaling, and yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 not just an app. It's kind of fostering a community, right? Like around uh, skin positivity and kind of encouraging others to, hey, if you have a question about your skin, ask it. And there's others that probably have the same question as you and kind of creating that safe space for people to, uh, to you know, start asking those questions. So um, I think... I think, you know, you being, uh, you know, in high school and everything, you're at a unique place because most of the people that probably, uh, you know, have questions about their skin, but are afraid to take that first jump for your age, you know, in, in your, in high school and everything. So I imagine having that is very invaluable and, and validating to some extent, because you see directly from your peers, uh, the need for it. Yes, exactly. And so one of the biggest things that I think is causing this is just, um, lack of, let's say support on other social media platforms. Sometimes social media can be a place where there's an unrealistic expectation that's been set on how you should look and all of that kind of stuff. So just being able to have a separate app where you can know that, okay, this is my safe haven. This is a place I can go not only and just share my story, but if I want to post pictures and that um, I can post them, if I want to have picture, I mean, if I want to have products, recommended products on there, I can get access to that as well. And if I just want to see just stories or videos or even other podcasts all about skin, it's there as well for you. 
That's awesome. So I guess, and yeah, we talked, you talked a little bit just about the, uh, the need for the app and whatnot, but let's, I want to dive into psychodermatology and like what that is and why does the Love My Skin app utilize that or why, why it's the foundation for, for the platform? So psychodermatology is an ancient Indian form of um, skin health practice. So it's basically looking at the connection between the mind, the skin, and like the immune system. And so it does a lot of um, interdisciplinary techniques within the fields of neuroscience, dermatology, and using the immune system to tackle this. And so I chose psychodermatology because I found that skin diseases correlate with other mental um, disorders or mental diseases, you know, including anxiety, stress, excessive sweating, all of those um, I found to be directly correlated through research with a lot of skin conditions. So I wanted to find a way to bridge the gap between the two to find a holistic approach to skin health treatment. And so what, when I found through my research was that a lot of um, other countries overseas, such as in Europe, have adopted this psychoderm approach. And I've seen really positive results because it allows for you to not only treat like a mental condition, but also see reflective um, improvement also within the skin condition. And it's cool because it's not only, psychoderm does not only involve just using medication, but it involves tactics such as meditations, exercises, breathing techniques that also have been found to work as well. Very cool. That's that's awesome. And I, you just mentioned uh, Europe. So to my understanding, you utilize an AI platform um, tapping into a company's API, correct? Could you talk a little bit more about like that company? How'd you got in contact with them? It's, it's Autoderm, correct? Yes. And so one of the biggest things when I was building my, building my app was that I wanted it to not only be just a positivity app and a resources app, but I wanted it to have AI functionalities to be able to allow users to submit pictures of their skin and it gives them the results of the top five possible skin conditions that they could have. And so to do this, I knew that I needed to utilize a company that had a lot of experience within this AI skin recognition realm. And so that's when I found Autoderm just really through a lot of research online. Um, So I use an API plugin from them. So I plugged in their API code into my code. And so now it functions symbiotically within my platform. And so using Autoderm, um, I started using them around a year ago. And so I contacted them and set up an appointment with them. And at first they were like, wow, why is this little girl contacting us? She's serious, all this kind of stuff. And after several phone calls and persistence, I proved to them that yes, this is a serious platform. I am planning to launch it. And I gave them just a really in-depth and detailed proposal and also just steps on how I plan to take this platform di- to um, digitally, especially to communities within Africa where they needed a lot more research and data. So I'm one of the people that's helping them champion um, gathering data in that area. And so what I what I have with them right now is a partnership. And so basically... What happens is when users take pictures of their skin and they submit it, it goes to the Autoderm AI, which recognizes it. And then the Autoderm keeps the picture and only the picture alone. So it basically allows for users to submit as much pictures as they want and get as much results as they want 
without um, any privacy issues. That's awesome. And so uh, to my, with my understanding you know, of artificial intelligence, I understand there's typically a machine learning aspect to it. So as you get more people tapped into the community and more people you know, submitting things, this platform will evolve and build off of those submissions, correct? Yes, that's exactly why um, I was a very valuable um, asset to Auditor, because um, especially within communities of color, um, there's still quite a gap within that AI skin recognition realm. And so being able to have a lot of users submit a variety of skin diseases that have all different kinds of types of skin types and skin colors will only help the AI recognition software improve more and more. It's awesome. And it's connected with dermatologists on the back end, correct? Like dermatologists are looking at that and kind of verifying the um, diagnosis. Is that correct? Or are they inputting it some other things or what, what does that look like? So basically Autoderm has a team of dermatologists that work with them. However, the AI has improved so much so that not every picture that's submitted needs to be vetted with a dermatologist because there are hundreds of thousands of images in their bank of all different types of skin conditions, what it does is it takes your picture that you submit and it compares it to all of the other pictures in their banks and it catches on um, similarities that they've put in place. So if it catches that, let's say you have acne, it will look for all the other pictures of acne and see which type of acne you have is similar to whatever ones that they've put in place as being examples of acne in their system. And so with that, they're able to provide you with the top five um, most likely skin conditions that you could have. So while these, you get these results, they are just suggestions. It's not meant to be diagnosis, but rather just help guide you into the, the right direction of what skin condition you may have. And whatever you do, um, choose whichever one you want to explore within those five, it takes you to a website, which they did build that with the dermatologist that details precise um, definition of that skin condition, whether you should seek medical treatment, and then some prescription and non-prescription treatment options as well that you can take. Uh, that's very, very awesome. Very like a holistic approach. And uh, that's, that's really impressive that you were able to develop something like this. And it's amazing you got that partnership with Autoderm and obviously saw something in your platform. It was kind of a mutually beneficial relationship. So that's very, very awesome. Um, yeah, thanks for, for giving insight into that. Is there a way, you know, kind of link with dermatologists? Like if it is something that's, you know, you need medical attention, is there something on the back end that allows you to connect with a local dermatologist or, or something of that nature? Yes. So it's not built in currently into my app, but that's what I'm already planning for my next phase is a telederm or telehealth side of things. Very cool. In which once you get your diagnosis, it will link you to dermatologists and you will can you can meet with them virtually within the app. But what I will say is that Autoderm does provide this service already. It's just um, you would have to go into their websites to access those services for a small fee of around $15 per appointment. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. And Audrey, I, I want to touch on it. I like when you said that there are in, in African countries, there's that gap that Autoderm isn't able to meet. And so like you're saying, that was a big part of your appeal was you have this cohesive plan uh, for the present and the future, but you're also helping them kind of fulfill their mission uh, in, in some of these other countries. So I kind of want to use that to talk about your trip to Nigeria. We talked about it in the article a little bit, but 
Uh, I want to give you, you know, tell us a little bit about that experience. I, I can't remember how to pronounce the name of the village you told me you were in, but uh, just talk about that and some of the kids you got to talk to and how validating was that experience for you and probably Autoderm as well. So I wanted to first start off with talking about some statistics, which is really the driving force behind why I chose to go there. So in Nigeria, there are only 80 registered dermatologists for a country of over 200 million people. And so within that 80 dermatologists, most of them only service those who um, are of the upper middle or higher class just due to the amount of money that it takes to make an appointment. So that just basically leaves millions of people in the country without access to any dermatology or skincare. And so I wanted to focus on how can I bring them some sort of skin education and some sort of relief to the areas that are impacted the most. And so one of the areas that I went to, that village, is called Oko Iranla. And so it's in Lagos, Nigeria, which is one of the biggest metropolitan areas in the country. It's right on the coast. And so one of the biggest things that is an issue in this area is that a lot of the kids and a lot of the people in this community live on houses that are actually suspended in water. So their houses, if you've ever been to like Galveston, where you see waters on, um, houses on stilts, it's very similar. And so, except for their water can be like up to 12 feet high. Wow. So what they use is either canoes for transportation or swimming directly in the water. However, this water is not super nice and clean and not a typical ocean because it is actually more of a delta. So and with the oil and gas industry in Nigeria and just the industrialization of the area that's boomed so much, it leaves these communities directly within a lot of pollution, both through the air and in the water. And so what I found was that the children in particular have a lot of skin conditions as a result. So the top ones that I found were eczema, water warts, and acne. And when I went there, I found actually that barely any of them even knew what their diseases that they were, were called or what the causes were. So I'll backtrack a little bit by saying that when I went there, I spoke to around 250 kids um, from a variety of communities. So we bust in uh, through, we bust in some kids and we brought some kids in, kids in via canoe. And so we all met in one neutral location, but all those kids were school kids ages 12 to 17. So we all came together in that one area to meet. So basically, I really, really enjoyed my time there. It was a way to help them open their eyes up to what skin conditions they had, what causes that they were coming from, and what were the local treatment options that they could use to combat this. And so I started off by giving them each a pamphlet. Uh, I love my skin pamphlet that I created that had the five, top five common skin conditions that they had, what is a skin condition, and then talking about some of the biology involved in it as well, as well as the treatment options on the back. And so in addition to that, I provided them, I partnered with a company called Detal. They're a, um, a huge company there that provides a host of products, including like Vaseline's, soaps, but the main reason that I chose them was because a lot of their products have antibacterial properties. And so with this, 
they're able to use, let's say, the soap and use that to clean their skin. And it will help to remove some of the bacteria that's causing their skin conditions, such as waterworts, eczema, acne. And so in addition to this, which was, I think, the coolest part was actually exposing them to um, AI technology. So when I went there, um, a lot of them were struggling in itself to provide food for themselves. So um, stuff like access to technology at times was difficult. And so I brought 10 phones with me there and we used my app, the AI within my app, and just took pictures of everyone anywhere on their body that they chose that they wanted to have explored. And so they, you know, they they just really lit up with joy as they were able to finally figure out like, hey, this is what's going on with me. And there is a solution to this. But more than anything, um, I instilled in them the value of loving their skin because everyone has something at some point that's been wrong with their skin. So just being able to hone in again on that more psychoderm approach, which also includes talking about more of the mental health side of things. So talking about positivity was also included as well. I, you know, and I bet it's was such an experience for those kids as well, Audrey, being able to talk to you and, you know, seeing, you know, someone uh, who's proactively trying to do their best to, to solve this issue. And obviously you're a Nigerian American, uh, born and raised in Cyprus. Do I have that right? Yeah. Born and raised in Cyprus. So she's an H-town gal, but, uh, you know, being able to go, internationally to a place, you know, that obviously means a lot to you and that has the critical need, you were able to meet that. Uh, I imagine you're, you have plans to, to take that experience and that model and bring it to Texas. So I just kind of want to, do you have any plans to maybe do something in the Houston area? Obviously the technology gap isn't as, as wide here, but uh, there are definitely still, I imagine plenty of kids in the Houston area and throughout central Texas that could benefit from your workshops. Yes, yeah, so I am planning on continuing that within the new year. I'm currently working on a series that I plan to bring to Texas, um, like you said, because um, while the technology gap isn't as uh, prevalent, the gap within AI um, is still quite prevalent in regards to um, some, some kids um, may still not be able to visit a dermatologist to seek treatment and find out what skin conditions they may have. And so sometimes just using Google alone may not be the solution. So being able to bring knowledge of this app to a lot of local school communities and get them to start using it to not only improve um, diagnosis rates, but also um, education around skin positivity and just general skin health practices is super important. And one of the biggest things that I also preach upon with uh, the Love My Skin Outreach programs is trying to find skincare products that are available within their local community. So for example, like I use Detal in Nigeria because that's one of the biggest skin related companies there. But I do plan to uh, partner with some more American companies to bring local skincare products to any initiative that I choose to do in Texas. Um, And just piggybacking off of that, I actually have brought this initiative to America uh, but it's just been in New York through virtual um, skin education events. So I went to talk to the master school in New York, where I basically focused in on not so much of the diagnosis with them, but more about the skin positivity side of psychoderm and just educating them on that, sharing statistics, sharing the app, and then sharing the AI with them as well. 
Yeah. And I, I really like what you said about misinformation, Audrey, because it's it's something that Cole and I growing up was more introduced as I correct me if I'm wrong, Cole, but I don't remember really honing in on misinformation and those kind of concepts. I was in college uh, and, and my major, we talked a lot about that, but uh, I, I feel like what you're saying, especially with skin and medical conditions, it's very important that positive information or sorry, correct information is out there. So people aren't seeing the wrong thing. And I feel like probably all of us have, have looked up an illness we had on WebMD and convinced ourselves we had cancer, that kind of stuff. So I, I think it's important for kids your age to identify, Hey, like not everything you see out there is true. Um, and love my skin is a platform for credible and accurate skincare, no matter what. So I just think that's really important, uh, to highlight as part of your mission, uh, you know, within that. So kind of moving away from a little bit from that, Let's talk about the UN. You are in the process of petitioning the UN for a skin positivity day. Let's say today they call you, Audrey, and they say, cool, pick the day. What day are you picking for skin positivity day? I would probably um, pick something in the November time period, just because there's a lot of events around giving, stuff like that. I'm actually an ambassador for Giving Tuesday, so that would make oh. me a little bit. But I love the giving um, atmosphere that's involved with November. So I would want to choose somewhere around late November to have that event take place. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, hey, I was going to say, there's no time to love yourself right before you stuff your face. So I, I like your thinking there, Audrey. But let's talk about a little about that process. You know, one day where I assumed you identified a need like you did in the other areas of your platform and your mission. But when when was the first time when you were like, there is no skin positivity today and I can be the person to kind of champion this change. So it was around the time when I was deeply entrenched in a lot of research around psychoderm and all these um, medical resources that I did to create the app. So before I created the app, I knew that eventually I wanted to petition for a skin positivity day just because through research, you find so many stories, so many people struggling and so many people just posting, you know, individual pictures here and there through Instagram, creating hashtags, but none have really like taken off. And I think that that's because there hasn't really been a unilateral platform for everyone to come together. But now that Love My Skin is here, I really feel like this day is needed because you can just see that a lot of people around the world need a support group or need that day to just say, hey, we're going to embrace ourselves. If that means we're going to take a picture with no makeup and post that, or whether that means just being able to see that other people, all these celebrities may not be as perfect as they seem, all these things just help with um, overall mental health. And so that's one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to create this was so that others can also enjoy it on that. And I think that ties right into the misinformation aspect of what you're trying to solve. When you talked about it earlier, when we did our first interview, Audrey, about the Instagram, social media age, it's its hard for kids who grow up in that uh, and that's all you see uh, to not think that that's reality. Well, this person travels and they they have the perfect body and they have, they have the perfect life. And so it's just, it's important, like you're saying, that we show everyone that we're not all different. These celebrities aren't perfect. They have struggles just like every one of us. And talking about struggles, Audrey, we talked a lot about the Love My Skin app. We talked a lot about your mission, but I want to talk about you. You're a 17-year-old CEO. Uh, you're a young entrepreneur. You are a Texas innovator. And thank God we have people like you for the future. So what is 
what does a typical day for you look like? I know you, you go to school and, you know, you, you probably work as much as you can on your, you know, your app and everything, but what does a day for Audrey look like? So my days typically start around six o'clock. That's usually when I wake up. So I will usually have breakfast and then head straight to school where I usually have a club meeting that um, takes place before school, whether that's MUM, Math Honor, Math Honor Society, or National Honor Society, or Blue Key. I have a bunch of different activities that take place um, about an hour before school starts, so, um, because school starts at 8. And so then when school starts, I really have a very jam-packed day. I'm a full IB student, so I'm in the IB diploma. So it's a very rigorous uh, course load. But I do enjoy getting to learn a lot about um, a lot of different subject areas. Some of my favorites are like psychology and biology, just I guess because I've done a lot of research outside of school to just grow to love those two subject areas. Um, yeah. And then afterwards, um, I usually go to either another club meeting or when I'm in season, I play varsity volleyball. So that takes about two hours after school. And then I head home around 6.30 or 7. So at around then is when I begin homework, which can take anywhere from like four hours to six or seven, just depending on the day. Um, but before I start homework, I typically like to help my brother out with his. That's just been a tradition that we started in covid because both of my parents are working parents. And so at times it's difficult for them to be able to check his work. So me just being there and going through it with him has been a bonding experience and just a great way to um, also help learn how to teach kids, which is a huge part of my initiative, you know, because a lot of the kids I talk to are within that fifth grade to ninth grade kind of age. So yeah, um, after I finish that, and I finish my homework, I typically will work a little bit on Love My Skin, whether that's logging into the Love My Skin email and looking at any, um, any emails that we got from any users or whether that's responding to Autoderm or just genuine, uh, general, uh, general checkups on the app to make sure there's no bugs or errors going on. I typically will do that. And yeah, um, I save my podcasts and stuff like that for weekends where I could dedicate a whole day to that, but it just depends really on how much time I have. Um, and then also on weekends, I like to spend a lot more time on Love My Skin, where I actually work on how I'm going to move it into the future. So working on new uh, parts of the app, which I talked about earlier, which were the Telederm and also forming an e-commerce section as well. Yeah, that that sounds like a stressful day, Audrey. I'm not going to lie. But you are very disciplined, which is, I think that's probably the most impressive part. I think Cole can speak to that as well. We have very busy days, but you're very disciplined in your approach with it. But I hope you take the time to have some fun because you're, you're still a kid. You know, you're about to go to college. You're a senior in high school. You got to take some time to, you know, enjoy, you know, enjoy being a kid a little bit. So I hope you schedule that out in your week as well. For sure. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to touch a little bit on that school life balance, Andre, and, and just, you know, because uh, I, I think that's very, 
very admirable. And that is very innovative of you to juggle all of that and still be performing at a high level in school. And you're creating a brand and a business on the side. You know, for the people listening and who are interested in what, what you're doing and what would you say are the best ways for them to support you, you know, outside of they downloading the app or whatnot? Is, like, is there any needs that you have or anything that you could use help with or what's, what's up? I think uh, people's raw feedback uh, is the most important thing. So what I did before I launched the Love My Skin app was I did a series of test trials um, and just surveys with people in my age demographic. And so that really helped me understand, hey, here are the needs, here are the gaps within the app. And so being able to have that is super important because me as a person is different from others. So I need to have feedback and just general um, inputs from others too, in order to move Love My Skin into the direction that fits everyone's needs, really. And so also with Love My Skin, I feel like People just sharing it with others is really important uh, because the more people we get on the, on the platform, the better um, the community will be and the better that the AI will be. So just having that will allow for things to grow. In closing, I want to give you the, uh, the opportunity to you know, plug your app and talk about where you can download it and your podcast and your, and your goals for 2022 and how people listening could, you know, again, help support you and, and be a part of your community. So people can download the app on the Apple uh, Apple, Play, Apple Store or on Google Play Store um, to hopefully cater to any type of person that has um, technology. And so with my podcast, I've also tried to make that widely um, accessible by having it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, along with a bunch of other smaller podcast distrib- distribution sites. And I also have a website for my podcast where you can go and listen directly from there as well. And is all this accessible through lovemyskin.app? Um, so the podcast is not, but all the information surrounding the inter um, workings of the app, all the functionalities are on the website, as well as direct links to the Apple Store and the Google Play Store. And if people were to, like, if they were on Apple Podcasts, would they be able to just type Love My Skin and it would probably come up? Or um, So if they were on Apple Podcasts and you type Mind the Skin. Oh, my. Would- Mind the Skin. Okay, cool. That's Audrey, so let's give you a call to action. Tell your peers, tell everyone, why should they download the Love My Skin app and why is it the future of skincare and skin positivity? So with the way that the world is working and through the pandemic, we've really seen that technology is the way to move um, everything uh, really towards the future, including skin health, which has typically in the past been a very much go into the office type of uh, practice. But through digital health, which has really been a huge interest of mine, I really want to see that move more and more digitized with more and more increased accuracy as well. And so with the, my, uh, with the Love My Skin app, um, users should download this because it's, you would be really joining a future movement of how skincare in America is treated. Right now, we're the uh, only psychoderm app out there that addresses um, both skin conditions and the mental aspects. 
So you would be able to get a unique uh, app and product that allows you to do so both within the same platform. Boom. Well, that's awesome. Well, y'all heard it here first, straight from the mouth of the innovator herself, Audrey. And um, yeah, we're really excited to continue following your growth and what you do with your your app and and any of your future adventures uh, as well. So we greatly appreciate you taking the time to come on and speak with us. And uh, yeah, we hope to hear more from you soon. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. And anyone uh, who's listening to this that hasn't been able to check out our story over Audrey, head over to txinnovators.com. Go in that search bar. You can type in love my skin, read the whole story. We got the outline of her and her journey. You can read that before you go to the podcast piece. You can do it right after. It's up to you. But thank you again for being on with us today, Audrey. It was great to hear from you and, and dive a little deeper into the innovator herself. And for our audience, stay tuned. This will probably not be the last time you see Audrey or hear from her. So stay tuned as we head into 2022. Thanks again for listening to this episode featuring Audrey and the Love My Skin app. You can visit her website at lovemyskin.app. Also, be sure to download the Texas Innovators app from the App Store and Google Play. We'll catch you next time. And remember, innovation never sleeps.